Great to talk some bangles with Mo Agar. We've got Brian on the broadcast now. And delighted to welcome our next guest, a great friend of the show. Great to have Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus back on the Irish NFL show again. Sam, a warm welcome in at a very busy uh, time of the year. Yeah, it's uh, it's all go now. The, the season finishes, but that just starts the madness, right? Because now it's draft season, it's free agency. Like if anything, the first couple of months of the off season in the NFL is is busier than the the regular season or certainly the playoffs. Absolutely, and Sam, it, you know the Super Bowl we all seen coming, the, the Rams against the Bengals. <laughs> I mean, I think we all. <laughs> it's a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, the Bengals in particular, like the Rams, I think always had the capability of getting there like the question was were they going to and that was with most of the field in the nfc you know dallas had the ability to go on a run the rams did tampa bay obviously um most of the nfc i think was like that that it was a case of one of these teams is going to have to get hot at the right time go on that run the rams ended up being that team at the afc like i think we we expected it to be chaotic because of the way the AFC had been all the way through the, the regular season. But Cincinnati being the team to emerge from that and to go on that run and beat these teams, despite, you know, Joe Burrow being under pressure and ultimately to then travel and knock off Kansas city. That's crazy. Like it's, that's not supposed to have happened. <laughs> Sam, the first time you joined us was around this time last year in the lead up to the Super Bowl. And the Stafford trade had just happened, and we discussed that at the time. A year on, uh, the Rams are in the Super Bowl, but I suppose what are your thoughts on the the Stafford trade now? Yeah, it's interesting. Like this, they're they're game away from being completely vindicated, right? Like this whole everything they've done has been in pursuit of a Super Bowl and getting one step further than when they made it the last time and they didn't get the ring, and. The question was always, how big of an upgrade is Matthew Stafford? And is it as big of an upgrade as a lot of people thought it was? And, you know, there are people out there that think that that Matthew Stafford is like a top five, top three quarterback in the NFL. And there's, there's never really been a ton of evidence to suggest that that's true. He's always been capable of incredible plays and big throws and all those kinds of things. But ultimately, it always kind of shakes out to the same area of being below that point and he makes some mistakes and puts the ball in harm's way and all those kinds of things. And he's still doing that. And what we're seeing is that the rest of the team is good enough that they can, they can live with that. And the, the positive that Stafford brings the ability to hit those big throws at the end of the game to Cooper cup, to, you know, fix a lot of the bad that's happened before, or to just make big plays that aren't necessarily on the table to a guy like Jared Goff, like, the, the positive that he brings is enough to take this team from being a playoff contender to being into the Super Bowl again, and they'll be favorites for this game and potentially then win it. So it was a big price to pay, um, and because of that, it's always going to be a risky type of trade. But this was – they've been kind of proved right. Like the difference between Stafford and Jared Goff, even if it isn't a, a huge one, even if it isn't a yawning – chasm people think it is it has been enough to take them to the super bowl and be one game away from making the whole thing worthwhile sam with the exception of the bears the coaching positions that have been filled so far are predominantly by offensive coordinators the giants the raiders soon to be the vikings with kevin o'connell and the broncos they've all gone with an offensive coordinator is that large part due to the aggressive nature of the league now you know offense dominates more so 
or is it a case that teams who are moving on from defensive minded head coaches have got a different move this time around? I think it's probably a bit of both. There, there's always a tendency of teams to go in the opposite direction of whatever they just came out of. You know, if you get rid of one thing, you go and find almost the antithesis of that guy and start again and, and swing back in that direction. But I think there's also something to the idea that the league is offense is everything now. Like everybody has a high powered offense. If you want to be successful, you need to be good on that side of the ball. And teams are are chasing that particular side of coaches. And then the other element is, you know, if you go on the, if you get a defensive head coach and you go and find a coordinator that can execute your offense, if that guy's good, you're going to have to do the whole thing over again in, in a year or two, right? When, if, when he gets a head coaching job. So I think there is a tendency for teams now to hire offensive minded head coaches. If for no other reason, than if that guy's good, you can keep him there for a period of time. And now you only have to worry about replacing his coordinator or his quarterback coach. And these are guys that, you know, in theory are doing less anyway, if the offensive mind is the guy running the show. So, you know, you think Sean McVay with the Rams, the the Rams coaching staff has now been this conveyor belt of guys going off and getting head coaching jobs uh, off the back of working with Sean McVay. But McVay is the guy that, you know, structures the whole offense and has the whole thing functioning year on year. So it's not that big of a problem that they've lost you know, coaches every single season. Whereas if you were a defensive guy and that same thing was happening, that would be, I think, a much bigger disruption to the offense. I'm obviously with Pro Football Focus on Pro Football Focus putting a lot this week into the Senior Bowl. We've been very fortunate to have Jim Nagy in the show this week or last week as well. And um, how have you found the Senior Bowl so far? It's it's almost had weather like Ireland. Has any player maybe stood out to the guys at PFF this week? I mean, I think Malik Willis is the senior bowl is always going to be a really big week for him, the quarterback out of Liberty. Um, and so far, it sounds like he's kind of knocking it out of the park and, and having a really big senior bowl week. I think the fact that the, there has been the weather and guys like Kenny Pickett with his reportedly very small hands who hasn't had them measured yet, like that guy's going to struggle in the rain. And most quarterbacks actually struggle a little bit in the rain. So Malik Willis with his big arm and you know, the ability to throw the ball and to get on the move, the weather has probably made him look better relative to these other guys than he would have otherwise. But him coming out of that week, I think, was a strong showing and impressing coaches in particular with what he knows and his knowledge and how much they think he can do at the next level would be huge for him because his highlight reel is insane. It's the best of any of these quarterbacks in – you know, a league that's just got through watching that Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes game and looks at these Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, these sort of freakishly tooled quarterbacks that are incredible when they're playing at their best. I think that makes a guy like Malik Willis really enticing. And there are, there are teams that are going to talk themselves into, you know, his upside and what he can do, what he can become if he puts it all together. I think he's had a really impressive week so far. Some one of the teams who've had um, kind of a baffling 12 months um, is the Carolina Panthers. And, um, you know, so just strange decisions, I think, across the board and the Sam Darnold trade just hasn't worked out. Where do the Panthers go from here? 
I think the Panthers are actually in quite a lot of trouble in terms of figuring out where they need to go because they still don't have a quarterback. You know, that's the most important thing. Late in the season, obviously, they fired Joe Brady, who was the offensive coordinator, a guy whose star had been on the rise, and that felt a lot like a kind of scapegoat type of move. But there's no solution to this on the horizon. And we have um, an index that, that we put up on pff.com, a guy called Aryan created it that's sort of evaluating um, the offseason, the capacity of teams in the offseason to get better, right? So salary cap space and draft capital and, you know, how much, not just how much salary cap room you have, but how much ability you have to create it with restructures and those kinds of things. And the Panthers are amongst the worst teams in the NFL in terms of having any sort of wiggle room in the offseason. They don't have a ton of draft capital. They don't have a ton of, ton of cap space or easily creatable cap space and they still don't have a quarterback they're on the hook for sam darnold's fifth year option whether he plays or not they are um they're not going to be having you know cam newton is unlikely to be the starter they don't have a starting quarterback going forward and no obvious path to get one unless they want to make the plunge at the top of the draft and, and grab one of those guys and even if they did they still have no offensive line to protect them so all of a sudden i think the panthers are under an absolute ton of pressure without an awful lot of um, margin for error to, to get better in one offseason. Sam, you touched on the, the point that the, I suppose the draft season won't be long upon us. And last year was probably one of the craziest drafts in the years with the 49ers moving up so early in the process and then the Dolphins mixing it up with the Eagles. The Eagles sit there this year with three first-round picks and people were pleasantly surprised how well Jaden Hurts played in the end, but a lot of people are going to touch and go whether he really is the answer because they didn't really beat any teams of note with a proper winning record. Were you surprised how quickly they came out at the end of the season and kind of committed to him for another year? Do you think they're showing the card a little bit too early, depending on what happens in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is it, they don't, it doesn't necessarily mean they're telling the truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the Chicago Bears were, you know, perfectly happy to declare Andy Dalton as the starter and then immediately go and get you know, Justin Fields rolls in and this has happened before as well. Remember, Mike Glennon was the answer in Chicago, and immediately they draft his successor as well. So there's no harm in them saying that Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy going forward right now, but they have three first-round draft picks, and anything is still on the table, I think, for Philadelphia, including being in the sweepstakes for a veteran quarterback if a Russell Wilson starts to become available or an Aaron Rodgers is suddenly out there. Like Philadelphia has some off-season flexibility with all those first round picks to get themselves into some of these conversations and if they don't if they decide that none of those are worth it the quarterbacks in the draft aren't worth the investment and you know the cost is too too great to be in the russell wilson or aaron Rodgers types of sweepstakes then i think they're happy enough to move on with jalen hurts and deploy those three first round picks on building around him maybe getting another uh, first round wide receiver to pair with Devontae smith and you know retooling some of that defense where the the kind of quality that they had in the past has started to be chipped away at again. So I, I don't see there's a there's no downside to me to kind of put it out there that, yeah, he's been really good. He'll be our guy going forward next year. But equally, I don't know that you necessarily want to take them at face value when they say that. And encourage any viewers to go on to pff.com and check out Sam's latest uh, mock draft ahead of the head of the offseason. I, I can't believe the draft's only a few months away now, Sam, but uh, you've done a really interesting one there at 20, I think, for the Pittsburgh Steelers with a quarterback from Ole Miss going there. 
that would be a really intriguing move if the Steelers went for a quarterback in the draft, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I, I think they might have to. Um, you know, they, they can't go into next season with uh, Mason Rudolph as their starter. I think we just haven't seen anything like enough from him to be confident of that. They, I'm sure, will be interested in any veteran quarterback that's available in the market, but there aren't too many that it would make you tremendously excited. I mean, they this is a team that needs a new direction and needs a new hope at that position, which probably leads you to the draft. And the Steelers are also a team that tends to they tend to sort of treat the draft very much as here's what we need, here's what we get, right? We, we have a glaring need at this position. We draft them in the first round, job done. So all of a sudden, the Steelers have a need at quarterback for the first time since Roethlisberger was drafted back in 2004. And it just seems pretty logical, particularly in this draft where the quarterbacks are going to get pushed down a little bit, I think, um, because it's not a great year for them, that they'll just – They'll decide which one of these guys is available where they pick in the first round and, and grab him, whether it's a, a Matt Corral, maybe whether it's a Kenny Pickett, like one of these quarterbacks is, is going to be available, if not a few of them, where they pick. And I just I think it's very likely that they end up grabbing one. I suppose that for the 49ers, obviously disappointment with how the, the season ended, but in terms of the, the next steps, Trey Lance coming in, I mean, going off Jimmy's um, goodbye press conference early the other night. What are your thoughts, I suppose, on, you know, what we we saw Lance very limited this year. Debo was a, a lot of fun. Um, but where, in terms of Lance, in terms of and where would Jimmy G, do you see potential landing spots for him, Sam? It's very difficult to know where Jimmy G would actually make sense because you know you, it's very difficult to divorce him from the offense in San Francisco that is like a cheat code. You know, Kyle Shanahan's system is incredible. Uh, it gets ridiculous production out of players like Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's a difference between those guys and Jimmy G. And even though some of the numbers are similar, there are other numbers that aren't, including winning, right? So the difference between those guys who are average backups at best and Jimmy Garoppolo is significant and it's a difference between winning and losing a lot of games there but like Garoppolo is not offering an awful lot on top of what's being schemed up within that offense he had I think 11 big time throws on the entire season an incredibly low number he does put the ball in harm's way a lot so he's not just the kind of Alex Smith style of game managing quarterback that you know simply doesn't make mistakes but isn't bringing much to the table either he does make a lot of mistakes and he doesn't bring a lot of huge plays to offset it. What you rely on is his kind of efficiency executing the offense. Um, but if you take that out of San Francisco and you, and you transplant him somewhere else, the offense isn't going to be that efficient. And if you have a quarterback that just does what the offense schemes up and nothing more, that isn't good enough for most teams in the NFL. It wasn't even good enough for the Rams. That's why they get rid of uh, Jared Goff and went looking for a, Matthew Stafford. So, and, and all of that is completely independent from the fact that like his injury history is horrific. And that on its own, I think would have been enough for the 49ers to go looking for a replacement. So you add all those things together. And I just, I don't see a strong market for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think his, um, his kind of selling points are big enough for a team to trade anything significant for, or to even bring him in on any kind of decent contract. I think at best he's going to have to hope that he can compete somewhere where they don't have an established quarterback and maybe serve as a bridge quarterback to a, a developmental rookie. Like if a team drafts Malik Willis and doesn't think he's ready to start year one, 
maybe Jimmy Garoppolo gets a year or, you know, to, to prove that he can be a guy um, while they get that guy ready. Sam, you touched on Jared Goff there, and obviously he was in part of that deal, which we discussed earlier in terms of Matthew Stafford. And I've had a few Lions fans, obviously, who've spoke to me and said that they obviously weren't impressed too much by Goff last season. But that's kind of a precarious one as well, because they've taken so much on with that contract. They do have a high pick, but as you said, whether the quarterback quality is there in this draft, they're kind of going to stuck with him to, to a large part, in a way. And do they consider rebuilding the offensive line and complement Penny Sewell and try hope they can run it back for him for another year? Yeah, I, I, they are kind of stuck with him, but I don't think that was – that's not a surprise. You know, it was kind of part and parcel of the trade where that trade was essentially a salary cap dump by the, the Rams. It was a lot like the Brock Osweiler deal to Cleveland, you know, years ago where they were – the trade was so big because Detroit was willing to take on Jared Goff's contract. And that comes with it a certain sort of degree of being stuck with him, right? And the good thing about Detroit is that this whole plan has clearly been a multi-year process. So last year, almost everything was invested in the trenches on the defensive line, on the offensive line. And I think in part because those positions typically take a couple of years to play at their best, right? And we're already seeing guys like, um, you know, Jonah Jackson up front play better in year two and, and start to take those developmental steps. Panay Sewell played well year one, should be better next year. If that offensive line and the defensive line keeps getting better this year, I think the resources will be a lot more on wide receivers, right? They almost didn't do anything there last season. Amon Russell Brown, I think, started playing well last year and sort of showed that he can be part of that receiving core. He's, he's obviously not going to be a number one, but he can be a useful part of a new receiving group there. But they need to go and find that number one and number two. Um, and probably keep throwing resources at the secondary as well because their cornerbacks that they've drafted or, or brought in in recent years have not necessarily set the world on fire. If a quarterback is there, like if a quarterback presents himself with their second pick in particular, you know, maybe they do decide that there's a guy they love and there's there's great value. But I don't think they're actually – I don't think they need to to rush that. I think the Lions could roll with Goff for another year knowing that he's not going to be the answer going forward, but just because they, they can they can eat another year in this rebuild, right? And deploy the resources on the the at receiver, at cornerback, and all of a sudden you actually have most of a pretty good team in place. So that next offseason is the time where you move on from Jared Goff and that's where you find the the real quarterback of the future. So it's a really interesting kind of project that the Lions have going here. And I think that the Jared Goff part of it is not necessarily like a giant millstone around their neck. I think it's actually kind of a, a potential bit of flexibility that they have. Sam, really appreciate your time today. And obviously over the last, I think three or four times over this season, just finally this Sunday night, Rams, Bengals, who have you got? Who's going to win? Man, I think the Rams, they're, they're going to be the favorites. They should be the favorites. They make sense. I think they match up in a good way, like Aaron Donald against that weak link on the Bengals offensive line. But like Joe Burrow has been playing out of his mind in this year generally, but in the playoffs as well. He's been under pressure every single game and it hasn't mattered yet. Like if he has one of those games again where no volume of pressure makes any difference, he's just able to get out of it and make some plays, that takes an awful lot of beating. So I think the Rams will win, but Cincinnati's definitely a live underdog as long as they have Burrow to chase. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's what makes it uh, so interesting. But Sam, I want to thank you again for taking the time to, to join us. Remember, you can check out Sam over at PFF at PFF underscore Sam on Twitter. And we'll continue to enjoy the uh, podcast with Steve. Thanks very much, Sam. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me.